Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Check podcast. Before we start, a little bit of housekeeping. There's a lot of stuff going on at the moment. We have a ton of extra content that we haven't managed to get out to you guys just yet because, well, we've been overwhelmed. We are live on Friday the 18th in Ballymun in the Axis Theatre. Tickets are available on eventbrite.ie. Right there, there's a link in the podcast you're listening to now. Uh, come along for a great night's entertainment. Hope to see lots of you there. Also, if you've been paying attention to the news or have been listening to us for a while, you'll know we've been covering events in terms of CEDA and the implications for the investor courts and the, and the Irish Constitution. Uh, Patrick Costello, who took the case and won in the Supreme Court recently, joined me, uh, and it's out right now on the Patreon feed, along with a ton of other podcasts that we've done this week, including Killian Woods was back, Orla Hegarty was back, John Gibbons gave a tour de force on COP27, and, and moving beyond maybe what we would call neoliberal capitalism. Really, really, really great conversation. Plus, we went back to Brazil to talk about the positive changes that are hopefully on the cards now that Bolsonaro has been defeated, even if it's not quite done and dusted yet. And we had a great conversation with Nicholas McGeehan, who's been covering the events for migrant workers in the LGBT community in Qatar for for over a decade now. And Nicholas's brilliant work, I was delighted to get to talk to him. All of those are available on patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. Do check out the conversation with Patrick. It was great to get some good news. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Please consider joining us. It makes all the difference. We really do rely on your support. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and I am back flying solo. Uh, get well soon, Baldy. We hope you are back on the podcast shortly. Uh, I know you've had a rough few days. I don't want to give, cut you too much slack because I know for a fact that you've been giving out relentlessly and making a burden of yourself. But nonetheless, um, I, I, it's actually timely that we're having this conversation knowing the situation that Martin has had going. I think he's been in and out of hospital six times over the course of the last nine months. Uh, and each time he's been talking about the care he's received and how he's been patched up and how he's been sent home. But he needed to go the next step and maybe he needs that operation and hopefully for our sakes we have that. Um, and why I say it's timely is because I am thrilled to be joined on the podcast by consultant geriatrician in the Matter Hospital, Colin Byrne. Colin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks, Tony. L- listen, I... <laughs> The genesis of this for listeners, the benefit of listeners, was the idea behind the two-tier system and the idea that maybe, you know, and we've seen all this conversation around, will there be a border poll? Will there be a United Ireland? What we do here? And the idea then that the NHS was going to be this barrier to anything that may actually happen in terms of, and I know for people in the North are going, I'm not giving up my National Health Service. And they think very clearly about the idea of that, well, why would we do that? Why would we go into the Irish Health Service? And we know there's a plan called Slauncher Care. We know it's not really made much much of a progress since it was uh, it was it was given cross-party support. So I suppose to ask you straight off the back, column. Where are we now in terms of Ireland? And I don't want you to focus on Ireland versus the NHS just yet, but Ireland as a as a health service that is, in fact, still a two tier system. Um, yeah, uh, I suppose Ireland at the minute is a is a two tier system. Um, we have obviously have private hospitals and public hospitals, and about about forty five fifty percent of the population has. Health insurance, which uh, has um, access to the private healthcare system. Um, I suppose, yeah, I suppose we have a bit of a mishmash of a healthcare system. It's a 
mix of a kind of an NHS style system for most people, you know, which covers everyone. Um, and then there's the, a kind of US system on top of it with the private healthcare system. But we do have a, essentially an NHS style system that covers probably most people who access healthcare in, 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 in the country. So that, so that, you know, all, you know, most older people have, don't have health insurance. They have, you know, they have a medical card, um, under, I think sixes have, you know, GP cards mm. and so on. So most people are, you know, in some way covered by the public healthcare system. And, you know, if you're in an emergency, it's the public healthcare system that picks you up. Um, it's, it's elective care that private healthcare, uh, steps in mostly with it's, you know, but if you have an emergency, you're in the public healthcare system. And I think people forget that, that it's the public healthcare system takes they, most of the, 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 the weight and, and, and carry in, in the, in the system. They don't, they don't forget it. It's just not marketed properly because we all hear, as you said, nearly 46% of people in Ireland have private health insurance. But if I presented with a critical illness, it's the public system that's going to take, take, take uh, responsibility for for my care that's fair to say yes yeah no like nearly all emergency care is provided by the public system you know if you call an ambulance you're going to a public hospital and um so it's not uh you know the private healthcare system isn't particularly interested either in in looking after emergency <laughs> emergency care there, yeah. there isn't much money in that the money is in doing procedures doing uh, doing angiograms, doing uh, well. What did you make of the, the the genesis of this podcast when I looked at a, a, a prominent economist saying that that um, he that he thought that the idea of the private health system being able to cherry pick the ideas just freed up resources, so you know the more the more poor people could actually access things. That's what he said. I mean, I'm not mm. misquoting him. He that was how he how he laid out. What did you think of that? Yeah, you'd hear that argument a lot. It's it it it's a very simplistic way of looking at it. Uh, firstly, um, the private healthcare system cherry picks cherry as you said cherry picks out the uh, profitable parts of care. It but that system as well is also built on the public system because the public system outsources a lot of its. Uh, procedures and so on to the private system because the waiting lists are so long in the public system. And so actually the, the, the private system, I, 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 you know, nearly would, wouldn't exist without the, 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 the public system. I, I let you finish that thought, but it's really important that you make that, that point because private hospitals, for example, can't turn a profit. Now we can ask, we can, you know, get behind the figures and ask why that's the case, but some of it is because you know the, the the reasons why the the, the high end value items that they charge are you know there have been services that they that they've been given from the public system and then the second thing is and I God and Colin I don't expect you to comment on this is that some of the accounting practices behind these are well established we know that there's a private health uh, private hospital in South County Dublin that's banked in Luxembourg for tax purposes so we know that there's all sorts of other machinations go on like it's not just that but nonetheless. I think it's a really important point that you make that that they, that they actually need the public health system to pay wages, keep the lights on. Mm, yeah, uh, you know, and a lot of it is outsourced, and that takes money out of the public system. Then you, you know, you're not investing um, in the long term uh, public system to be able to provide that for 
public patients and or you know for all the all the, all the people in the country because ultimately you know the goal and the goal it's launching here and everything is to have it that you don't need to have private insurance and so but you know outsourcing it all to the private system that means that that isn't built up in the in the public system and you know you haven't got the capacity built up there uh in the in the public system but but, but come they'll push back and I, this is me playing devil's advocate mm. here and they'll say well every year we give you more money the budget is higher every year so you know you just need to have less managers and more uh mm. more 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 frontline staff given what you've come through over the last number of years i'm assuming you don't agree with that no <laughs> um no and, and you know a lot of the way i would see it is that a lot of the not a lot, but there is a chunk of the increase spending uh, that is going into private hands. You know, so as I said, like you know, it's it, it, the, the private hospitals are charging; the, they're not doing it for free, so they're charging the HSE to uh, do that. So a lot of that money has been funneled into private hospitals. But also, you know, we were coming from a baseline where there wasn't, you know, there's you know historic under underinvestment in in the public healthcare system, um, and we're playing catch up and trying, you know, trying to. Uh, invest in the public healthcare system to to be able to, you know, we're starting from a, from a big deficit. We're not, mm. able, you know, when you're starting from that, you have to be, in a way, spending more money. And you, you know. should, and we should be, because we have an aging population, a growing yeah. population. We have a country that is, you know, by every metric doing really well economically. So so we, we have these yeah. resources. But you made a very interesting point when I reached out to you to talk about this subject and you said that private uh, health insurance is not possible at scale you can't scale it because we couldn't actually we it wouldn't no. it wouldn't survive do you want to just give give me a little bit of context around that well um the, 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 it was the policy uh, of uh Gael, the finnegal government of 2011 to bring in a uh, universal healthcare insurance um, and so there was a report released in 2015 that essentially shot it down as an option because there is it's while you could do it and and, and that's essentially the system that is in Germany and the Netherlands and so on but it's expensive it, you know you are char- you, the the cost was deemed to be prohibitive in that report for and a lot of it was some of it was due to being you know meeting un- unmet needs so that that you know, with any system you bring in, that's going to be the case. But a big chunk of it was um, 1.15 billion of it was due to uh, insurance company profits. And another 150 million was due to the increased admin that would be required of hospitals to uh, to, to look after the system. So we're climbing close to, we're climbing south of, um, sorry, north of, of 1.65 million here, billion here. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh and that was 2015 figures yeah that's <laughs> and, like a... and, and, and health, health health inflation is about six percent a year so it's going to be much higher than that uh at this stage it's um, so, sorry go ahead yeah I'd like no to no, fin- go on, go on. no no finish that please because i just think people need to get a understand that this because there's, there's a myth in Ireland that pervades it's uh it's well look we just get michael o'leary to run everything <laughs> we'll all be okay that you cannot do that with certain services that's why the state exists and you know whether it be housing i believe in in housing is a human right I'd, uh, and 
particularly when it comes to health education. People say you can't have this. You go, well, actually, you know, the roads are, are repaired. The lights come on. The teachers teach your children. Why can't we have this better system for our healthcare? So maybe we should focus on that. And you mentioned Germany and Germany is the is one of the models that was put forward. Is Germany I, like I, I a very limited experience of, of these systems? What what are the flaws there and why and why is that not something that you think we should be looking at? Uh, like in my opinion, the, the German system um it, 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 it it's a good it, like it is a good system. It, it, a as I said it's expensive and the, there's a lot of profiteering in it. Uh it also relies on uh on people working. It was set up by Bismarck uh and it was it was for people who were working. It was an insurance for people who were working and the model requires a, a large working population to sustain it. Um and as the population ages um that's not going to exist. And we're Probably you know one of the lucky ones in 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 Europe that we have a young a young population at the minute. But you know you look 20, 30 years down time down the line, and any system you develop should you know that's what you need to be looking at. We're not going to have that population that are working to be able to sustain uh, an, an insurance model. And when you mentioned the, the the Bismarck model, there was also an element of employer contributions to, to, to much of mm. that it wasn't uh necessarily employee payments no. and, and famously i mean i don't know if many people know this but like like we keep hearing about a pensions time bomb in ireland but no one says out loud then by oh by the way we've deterred our fourth lowest you know employer collection of revenue for our employees so mm. if we came mid-table there'd be no pension time bomb and it's a similar it's a similar situation when it comes to to this surely yes yeah no exactly and if we if we charge employers PRSI properly or you know mm. then you know these these issues and other european countries do charge it. you know it's not like oh, we're no, an outlier no. in europe you we're, know the, like that's, we're, we're, yeah. we're bouncing on the bottom and the other yeah. people who are beside us coincidentally tend to be tax havens but you know you're not it's not popular to say that in in yeah. ireland it's not it's it's not popular to say but that is who that's the company we keep um column yeah. though can i can i bring you on to the actual the the idea then then of slanchy care itself okay so obviously um, we we've talked about people getting access on based on need, not on ability to pay. Can you give me the the like? First of all, do you think the plan is adequate? And B, do you think it's it's feasible under the current system? Um, and I'm not supposed to ask two part questions, but there we go. <laughs> uh, is it? Uh, I'll start the second one then. <laughs> is it feasible? I think it is. I, you know, I, I think it is just an evolution of the system that we have, and that's the other issue. I think with you know, just been constant reform and reform and reform in the healthcare system, and and changing from the model that we have now to universal health insurance model would be a huge reform that would suck up resources for years to try and bring that in. Um, so this so. You know, Slanchy Care is an evolution rather than a revolution of the system that we have. And I think that that's much better because we're in the healthcare system. We are burnt out from reform, uh, con- you know, constantly huge reforms that have occurred. Um, so uh, the issues with it now, it's, you know, it's, it, there are bits that are working. Um, there are, uh, you know, the, the integrated care model of, uh, you know, kind of 
crossing between hospital and community. That's uh, that's been rolled out, especially in, in geriatrics and in other chron- and in chronic diseases, and it's you know, you know it's progressing, and we're we're actually seeing good results. I work in the emergency department with integrated care colleagues, and we we have been able to get patients out of hospital uh, to to their homes, provide quality of care in there. So that's that you know that that there there are bits of it that are working. Um, I think one of the issues is that um, it hasn't been resourced fully. You know, mm. it's going to need resources. We're not going. You're not going to be able to do this on the cheap. You're not, we're, you know, we're going to have to put in extra resources to be able to save money. You know, and we've shown when we, you know that that has been shown during COVID. There was, you know, there was a bit more money around, and we were able to put in extra resources like the team I work with. Um, but you know, and we've shown that we've saved about ten times the amount of money that that that's been put into us. So that's staggering because that's the thing that always gets me. Where we talk about we need X amount. So you refer to integrated services. Say some of the phrases we hear thrown around, like care in the community. Yeah, and how that actually pays off. 10 to 1 because you're putting your people are no longer and we have these awful phrases bed blockers people not able to get resources people yeah. that, that surely that that economic argument stands up even more so than it's just the right thing to do because some of these people don't care that's the right thing to do yeah. they just they, they only want to know what the bean counters mean yeah but that's the thing it's a win-win you know we have you know the patients are happy uh, they're getting quality of care and they're getting out of the hospital and not ta- um, t- taking up beds that's, uh, and taking up time for the patients. So it's all, it's a win, win, win. And, um, it, it, but it just, it, it does require upfront investment, but the payback is, and that's what, you know, I think in the health system has been lacking up to now is that, you know, there, there hasn't been that, inve- you know, upfront investment in, you know, reform projects that, do pay off, you know, and that's maybe one of the reasons why, uh, it, you know, the healthcare system costs so much because it's, you know, the, the, the mm. kind of some of those reform things haven't been invested in to, to, to provide that, like, um, like the, you know, the integrated care system. Yeah. That, that is working, you know, and it, and it is working. And, um, uh, can, can I, can I push in though and say, here's the, here's the thing that will jump off the page because listeners probably wouldn't be aware. As we said earlier, that like 46% of Irish people have private health insurance. We, we, we opened this by talking about the NHS versus Ireland. I think it's about 11% of people in the UK have private health insurance. Hmm. Um, and it's growing and, uh, and, but also it's what that health insurance provides. This is so 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 we have to talk about because people we have shrapnel podcasts on this platform. Sam and Gareth are two great guys who are talking about what's if what is happening in the north in terms of waiting lists, in terms of the hassle that they're that they're having. And they look down, they go, We don't want any of that, and we'd love our NHS to be actually better resourced. Can I can we talk about the fact that that as you said, it's growing because if you underfund it. Uh, people end up going, and that that fear is why I I put it to you. The fear is why we have forty six percent of people in Ireland mm. actually with health insurance. It's not to do with going. Uh, well, maybe some of it's to do with that two tier idea of I, I don't I don't want to be um, I don't want to be in the same waiting room as X Y and Z. But there's mostly it's fear. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It is fear, and um, it's you know the, the public system has to. It does have work to do to show that it can step up and 
Yeah, no, it's completely valid that you know that for people to have health insurance at the minute because it, you know there is that fear that you know you'd be left without a diagnosis, without, you know, and it's up to the public health system to to all of us who work on it to 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 drive down waiting lists and and but that's why we need to develop the systems in the public system, not in the private system, to to do that. Why you know. Um, the the current model is just increasing capacity in the private system. Why should um, we need a hospital in Alicante to take Irish patients? Hmm. I mean, that story. I know it was it caused a celeb for a couple of days, but what it actually said was was even worse, wasn't it? Really, hmm. Colm? It, it it was it was speaking about a another outsourcing option other than tackling the underlying underlying issue. Do you mind me asking as we head into this? Um, winter season how are things because i've heard reports obviously i said we last week we spoke to professor anthony staines and he said this um pick any week during the summer and it's worse than any of our bad winters that we've had in 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 previous years how is it now on the ground in in places like the matter yeah no it's it's busy um especially for this time of year um it generally wouldn't usually wouldn't be too bad yet um, but you know it, it's busy and just pay you know during covid i suppose we had a bit of a reprieve um there were you know there, there weren't as many trolleys there you know there's a lot of reorganization in the hospital to try and have that but now there had you know over the last especially few weeks there have been uh patients on over you know staying a long time in the emergency department so it is it, it you know it, it, it isn't great um at at the minute, uh, in in the hospitals, um, you me- you mentioned COVID, and it's interesting because obviously we know there's new variants, there's variants that are more, you know, uh, resistant to vaccines. There's variants, you know, but one of the things that we've spoken about again on this podcast since the outset, I think we were one of the first people to have um, uh, John Wagner Wagner on about talking about air can, air quality and and you know filtering filtration, and we were kind of laughed at. We were laughed at. Let's tell the truth. We were called zero COVID zealots and stuff like that. But we were just trying to say, what can you do environmentally? That's something that you have uh, done some research on air quality and its links to people's health, isn't it? Yeah, no, uh, that was my doctors uh it was into so the, so, so more air, than a little more, more, more than reading a few <laughs> tweets then <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah uh, so uh yeah no uh, uh, in that i showed that there is a link in ireland with uh stroke emissions uh especially in winter mm. um but uh, and and air pollution um mainly due to solid fuels but also due to to road traffic um but there, you know, there is an interesting link with COVID as well. That places that have high levels, you know, if you're exposed, air pollution can actually increase your risk of getting COVID as well, mm. uh, and increase mortality with COVID. So that you know, that that research is certainly uh, interesting as well. Yeah. Which just brings me to one one point though. So the budget for for doing say public buildings and things like this, when it comes to things, or or indeed if it, if it comes to uh, spending money on retrofitting homes that they don't need solid fuels, that they can have these sort of things. Do you think that, that there's, it's a no-brainer? We need to spend this money and actually and actually then decrease the people who you need to see. Yeah, no, uh, uh, the the public health benefits alone, let alone the climate change benefits, um, 
It, 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 absolutely. It's a, it's a no brainer. It, you know, climate change, you know, you're often worried about like, you know, years to come, but mm. th- that, that's the thing. That's the thing about there, you know, there about air pollution is that, um, it, it's short term. You know, it's within the research I did. It was, you know, a couple of days after exposure. So, you know, within a couple, you improve air quality within a couple of days, you'll see a benefit. Um, and, um, we know, you know, like there's excess sets in winter and mm-hmm. most of them are from, actually from air, air pollution, you know, it's from people having to use poor quality heating systems to heat their homes. So uh, burning things like peat and wood and so on in, in their homes. And, and, you know, I've gotten a bit of slack for it, uh, yeah. for, for coming out and saying that, but it is. No, but, but it, see, it's, it's true see, though. But yeah. you're saying it from the flip side because you because we know. We look at look at something like Italy. Italy is considered a basket case. I hate that sort of stuff. I genuinely hate that punching down idea. But one of the things that they did within the EU is they took the EU's funds post COVID and they said we're going to start retrofitting homes. We're going to we're going to focus on public buildings. We're going to focus on air quality. And not only did it was it a job creator, it actually they they, they believe it moved GDP on the, in the country by over one percent, which is phenomenal when you consider the size mm. of Italy relative. You know, and it helped outcomes for people. So, yeah, no, that Italian one, and and they they gave grants of one hundred and ten percent of yeah. the cost of renovation, you know, to cover rent, you know, because you have to go out and rent a home, or you have yeah. to, you know, you, you've been inconvenienced for, and but it put money back into the economy, like you said, and <laughs> improve, you know, it's just win win win. Oh yeah, but, but, why... but, but we can't have that because, like, and I say that and I laugh, and I, this is genuinely like. It, we have this, you know, we have the grants now. It's like, if, but you have to be literally on the poverty line to qualify for many of these retrofitting grants, or you either have to have 70 grand to burn to do it. And, you know, if you're in that 70 grand to spend household, you're probably in the top 15% of people using the the energy that, that you know, And it, but you were able to assuage your guilt by saying, well, I put a heat pump in. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to be divisive about it, but that's, you're right. Italy just went, here's 110%. It's not perfect, but there was people who took advantage of it naturally enough. Any system, there are always going to be people who take advantage of it. Um, But there we go. Here's an unfair question for you, though. How far away do you think we are from Care starting to bring, see it implemented and maybe see those reductions in, in what we talk about, you know, the waiting numbers, the trolleys, the bed counts, all of those things. How far away are we, Colm? I know, and again, you, I never told you I was going to, I was going to throw that one at you, but here we are now. Um, how's your crystal ball? Um, yeah, um, I, um, I, 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 so I, I think there, I think there is, on the ground in the public system, there is a real willingness to do this. Do you know, I think we, you know, the, I, I, across the public system, we do want, you know, this is something that we want. The issue is funding. I don't know. And also political buy-in. And I don't know do the current parties in government have, I know they ran on, on it and, and no party objected to it on in the last general election. But I don't think they have the political buy-in. And, you know, to be honest, I think until there is that, that ultimate political buy-in, um, I, uh, I don't know, will it be possible? I, I'd love to be prove, proven wrong. Um, but I think if, you know, if there was political buy-in, how quickly could we do it? 
Uh, certainly, you know, like Sanchez lays out that it would be done in ten years if 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 the political buy-in is there, okay. um, and but you know uh, we're lagging behind now at this stage, and, and, and you know, and certainly people who know better than I do about staunch care. I you know I just I only work on the front line. I don't. Know I'm, that, I'm, that, I'm, that I'm well. only I'm only a hospital consultant <laughs> who does all the work. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> Um, but you know, certainly, there, you know, there have been resignations and so on because of you know the, the yeah. political impetus. Um, but I think if, you know, if the political impetus was there and it was consistent and backed up, you know, yeah, we could get it done in ten years. It just, yeah. Uh, but it would it, it requires the the politics. I, I just want to point out to, to listeners before we wrap that um, we, we keep hearing this phrase, and we again a few years ago, I remember the first report that came out and said that. We we're going to see the first generation that was worse off than their parents were at the same age. We've now, we've now actually managed within five years, we've made it two generations. We didn't think we'd get there that quickly, but we have. We've seen the, the, the shrinkage of home ownership. We've seen the shrinkage of, we've seen the, the generation rent, the generation locked out. We've seen all of this, but we've also seen column which is more um, easy for people to get their heads around other than, you know, young people. Cause we say, Oh, they, if they spent less money on avocado toast, to, you know they could get over it. But that all that nonsense aside, we've also seen falling life expectancy. Mm-hmm. That that in itself, and that's not just an Irish thing. That's that's in in the developed world now, and this is it, I I put it to you that it's to do with the fact that 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 public health care itself has been outsourced and defunded for over a number of years. And again, I'll, I'll argue it's an economic thing, but it does seem to me something that we should all be pay, sitting and paying attention to. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of factors that lead into that. But, you know, you only have to look at the UK and the, the underinvestment in social care, the underinvestment in health care and across all public services. And that has had... You're, and over there, especially, you know, there's been plummeting, uh, life expectancy. Um, and, you know, so, you know, your socioeconomic status and your education level are, are key determinants of what your, your, your future health is going to be. So, um, yeah, no, you know, under invest, under investment in public services is ultimately what, uh, it, 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 it has health impacts. And, um, we see it. We see, we've seen, we saw the benefits, you know, through the sixties, seventies, and you saw that consistently grow. Um, but now it's, uh, yeah, it, it, particularly in the UK, I feel, I, I feel really, you know, you, you know, the NHS was, you know, the the diamonds, you know, the, mm-hmm. and and the, the just the attack that has happened in the NHS on, uh, in terms of privatization by stealth is just depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it is. No, absolutely. And and uh, look, I'm not going to argue with you, but I am going to thank you for your time. I'm going to thank you for the work that you and your colleagues do. I really appreciate it. We appreciate it. It's, 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 uh, it's not the, it's not an easy time. And, and thanks for stepping out to give me the, the little, the few minutes. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think people might want to get a sense though, just to wrap that while we don't have the system that we want, it isn't, it is in reach. We could do it in 10 years, Colm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, it's it, like like anything. It's not as bad, or you know, it's not as bad or as good as you know. Yeah, a, 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 as it's painted, uh, you know, the, the system works. Uh, there are very, you know, there are very, you know, very positive things in the, in the current system. Um, you know, I think our, our, our management, you know, how, how we look after older people in this country is generally good. It's uh, you know, there's obviously huge issues, but there, you know, it's generally good. You know, things like stroke care were international 
leaders in, in, in that. So, you know, there are, you know, lots of positives in, in, in the system, but it's, you know, so it's not as bad or. As yeah, but, 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 but I will never, ever, ever give in to the guy who says to me, don't let the perfect be the enemy of me having it pretty good. And we need to push away from from yeah. that mentality because we can have it much better for all. And I think that's oh, what's absolutely clear. yeah yeah no it it can be much better. And you know the system you know we've shown that in certain areas it is good. And we just need to get that across the whole, the whole system. Colin, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Um, it's it, it, you know, and and uh, I'd love to talk to you again, but uh, you know what? Just uh, I'm I'm worried going into the winter months that it, that it's going to it's going to be more tr- trouble and more problematic. But but really, t- um, listen, folks, we have a ton of stuff lined up for you in in the week ahead, and we're all crossing our fingers that the next time we talk to Nicholas, that in Brazil maybe we get a result where we see. And Colm, uh, maybe put your fingers in yours. Maybe Bolsonaro has more time to go spend with his COVID infections or something and we can just uh, move on with our lives. Talk to you all very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.